from the home offices of Ash and Flow. This is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. All right, everybody, welcome to this latest episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast, where sadly, it's just me today because Ash, and here I pause because I'm jealous, is out and about in Europe enjoying some time off in a somewhat exotic location. Now, we can't disclose where it is, but I hope he has the best of times, and I wish I was there right now because... Out here, the weather is sort of, well, not too great. Now, while Ash is doing Ash stuff in cool places in Europe, I thought I'd come back to all of you and revisit something Ash and I touched upon a couple of times. And that also comes up quite a lot when I work with mid-sized consultancies. And it's this agile question of how can we sort of improve the output of marketing content, right? How can we improve our publishing frequency, improve the stuff we publish and so forth without breaking the bank and using up so much time because who has the bandwidth, right? To do all the writing, to do all the speaking, to do all the stuff and to come up with the ideas. Now, if you've been following the podcast for a bit there, as you might have, you know that Ash and I often recommend digging into and reusing and repurposing the consulting content the firm produces for marketing purposes as much as you can, right? We refer to that quite a lot. I think in our one of our systems episodes, and I'll find out which one it was and link to it in the show notes, we also introduced a few concepts like the pretend you have a podcast concept where you do regular scheduled interviews with firm SMEs to get their expertise out of their heads and into formats which you can work with. Now, this is just one idea, of course, and we keep getting questions around how to do this and what other ways of doing it might exist. So I thought for this episode, I'd talk you through some very specific ideas, some very specific methods that you could deploy or apply there to get your marketing content straight out of the day-to-day -day business the consultancy does. And if you haven't seen the show description, we call this repurposing assets, right? The idea being you, the marketer, go into the business and repurpose the assets, the consulting assets they have there and they use every day to save yourself some time and work. Now, when we say assets, that sounds stupid. When I say asset alone here in my basement studio, when I say asset in this case, what I mean is... Um, anything from just ideas and thinking and the spoken word, right, among the industry experts that do the consulting work in your firm, to written stuff that's probably in some client decks, you know, deliverables of the sort, to loosely defined frameworks or checklists or procedures that are being used around the firm, all the way to full-fledged IP if you have it. I mean, that's great, right? Intellectual property, like trademark processes that have been defined in great detail, frameworks, maybe even software. All these things can be sources for great insight, great content. And maybe they also can be the coffee if you know how to use it and if you know 
in which places to look. And uh, in preparing for this episode, I thought how to best structure it. And I think I'll just give you places where to look for these types of easy lift content pieces. And we'll structure the places sort of following the client's buying journey, if that makes any sense. So we go from probably client comes in and inquires about working with the firm. So you'd be there's leads or inquiries or whatever, all the way to they hire the firm, they become a client, they get services delivered to them, and then at some point they maybe exit, right? So what can you do and where can you look for great content pieces? great insight, great material, for lack of a better word, along that journey. Well, if we think about the front part, so to speak, of the client journey, right? Not the most upfront part, but the part where they actually come in and inquire to work with the firm. Typically, what you have is either inquiries, unstructured ones, or requests for proposals, formalized ones, right? RFPs. And this is the first recommendation I would have is See if you can get your hands on those or build a process for getting them regularly, right? Because if marketing gets to analyze RFPs, right, they can get a deeper understanding of the actual challenges the firm's clients are having and the firm's clients are trying to solve. And not just the challenges they're trying to solve, but also how they talk about them, how they speak about them, how they see them, right? And how they deconstruct them because that's often what they do in an RFP is they break it apart and divide certain work packages or work streams, right? And inquire to get about getting services against those. So it's very insightful stuff. And I have had fun in the past with running RFP analysis. Of course, that's me being in the luxury position of working at a firm where you had lots of RFPs come in. So you could get meaningful data from it. But because you can see what clients actually inquire about, you can have fun by juxtaposing that with the stuff that gets talked about in the market quite a lot. The stuff that gets talked about and the stuff that gets commissioned or bought or contracted out to different things. And you can often find interesting sort of mini studies you can do that don't require a lot of effort and do get do make for interesting insights. I mean, if people can get press and I, I see it happen, by asked by interviewing 30 or 40 CEOs, right? And calling that a study, you maybe can get some mileage out of looking at 50 RFPs or inquiries your firm has gotten and deriving some insight from that. You could maybe even make it a year on year comparison if you wanted to. So that's idea one, right? Analyze the requests, either for proposals or the inquiries or whatever, the requests that clients bring to your firm as they come in the door, right? First interaction, so to speak, and see what you can make of those. This, by the way, side note, also means that you suddenly create content around actual challenges and actual topics actual clients do have out in the market, which is much, much better than running on hearsay or presumptions, right? Moving on from this, so let's say they sent their RFP, right? You answered it or the firm answered it, and now there's a process kicking off. There's a bunch of calls being had. If you got a chance to listen to these, let's call them discovery calls or meetings, or even sit in some of them, which I know that's hard. I managed it, I think, only once or twice in my career to, to get the business to bring me along. They usually don't like to do that. And there's good reasons for why they don't like it. <laughs> like, you know, not having too many people around the desk that are not from the client, all this type of stuff, but I'm digressing. So if you get a chance to listen in on these conversations, what you can get is insights into 
again, the types of questions clients ask, because that's a bit better than the RFP, because the RFP is on sort of reflects on hypothesis the client has, right, around how what their problem is and how it might maybe be solved. But usually there's uncertainty or there is the client is having a discussion even amongst themselves, right? So you can get a deeper insight in the conversations that follow the RFP. But what you also hear then, of course, is the expertise the expert's answers, sorry, your consulting colleagues give to those, right? You can witness the entire interaction. So you get to hear what is being discussed and you get to hear the high level recommendations your colleagues give on the spot, which is can be insanely valuable. And I have in the rare occasions where I got to do this stuff, um, I created content just literally from my notes I took during the sessions. Right. So it's great input. Yeah, it's you know, it's very raw material. You still have to put some work in to to make it publishable. But man, is it good stuff if you can get it. If you can't get into those conversations, maybe if the firm is lucky and progresses further down the journey, maybe you get a chance to get into the pitch or at least review the pitch materials or the proposal presentations, or some firms call them orals or whatever the name is. But you know, the decks you prepare in order to actually get the deal or, or, you know, get to negotiation stage, let's say that. And I've said this before in the show, I realize it, but it's astounding to me how much good stuff gets created by the consultants in the teams as they prepare for those and take them to the clients. And it never gets used again, maybe inside the team for the next pitch or whatever, but even that's a, that's not a given, right? As we all know. But it's very rare for marketing to get a hands, their hands on those and uh, they're usually full of good stuff because typically what happens, right? The consultancy reflects to the client, here's what we heard, right? This is our root cause analysis. Like you told us you have X problem. We say the actual underlying cause is Y, right? And here's how it solves it. You find all kinds of insights. You often find market trends and you find high level sort of structured process type recommendations, right? We should do this, then that, then this, then that. Like, I mean, the stuff literally is how-to content already. And sometimes you can take single slides out of those and just use them. So that's, I think, the tip number three here is just review and repurpose these types of presentations because you will be able to very quickly create content that's highly relevant to the audience and also clearly conveys the firm's expertise because typically the amount of thinking that gets into these decks is quite high, right? And the people working them are much more motivated because they want the business than they are probably motivated to, the, to you know, I don't know, write a blog post for the marketing team, to, to, not to put too fine a point on it. That's it. That's three out of seven, right? Four more to go. If, if we had ads on the show, which we don't, this would be the ad break, but I'll give you a little breather here. Because we're, we're moving on through a buying journey, right? And let's pretend that the pitch went well, as did the negotiations and the client signed and now we're good and we can kick off. And what happens then typically is some sort of kickoff or onboarding, depending on where you work and how mature the firm is you're working for. There's likely a checklist or a questionnaire Maybe, an in, maybe even auto, semi-automated intake forms, all types of stuff. The recommendation is to take these onboarding materials and either create content from those, which can be done, or better, although a bit more complex, invest some time and money to turn those into self-assessments, which you can use as lead generators. 
There's plenty of tools to do this. They're typically called scorecard apps or survey apps or whatever. I let you find a good one for you yourself or DM me for recommendations because I have a perspective on which one I like to go with. But the idea is if you can abstract the onboarding questionnaire, if it's a longer one, into something where, I don't know, a client or a prospect, sorry, can score themselves against 20 questions and get a score back with some recommendations, which by the way, that's what those tools are for, right? They automate this process. The idea being you write the survey, which you don't have to do because you're taking the onboarding questionnaire, and then you pre-write some answer blocks or building blocks for answers, and the tool puts those together depending on the score someone gets as they do the thing on your website. They still make for great lead generators and they still are very helpful in presenting your firm's expertise, way of working, way of thinking, for lack of a better word, right? Because we all know by asking the questions you ask, you show me the caliber of your thinking or the caliber of your firm's thinking and capability to a certain extent. So these can be great tools. And that was my fourth tip out of seven. Repurpose onboarding materials the best you can. The pro tip there will be to turn them into lead generating self-assessments, which you can host on the website, for example, boost through social, whatever. Fifth tip, as we move on into the delivery stage, right? Because the onboarding of the kickoff is now over. Anything the teams deliver to the client can make for great how-to content, especially if you can describe the methods by which the deliverables were created. Not so much the deliverable in itself, right? Nobody is interested in the target uh, list your M&A boutique drafts up for a specific client. You know, the fact that this is confidential and should never be published anywhere, notwithstanding. But who would care, right? Besides the client who needed this list. But it is very interesting to learn how... Uh, the deliverable was created. And again, depending on where you sit, where you work, how your firm works, chances are that the description of that is already in the deliverable. Because most studies, most survey tools, most process suggestions do come with explanations attached, right? And uh, you can use those to create some great content, even greater content as that is that, com is that a comparative form to that? I don't know. If you have a bunch of those and you can have a discussion on top with some consultants on which method worked better, why did you refine this between a couple of engagements, right? Or you have a bunch of those and see without, even without the conversations, you see parallels and you can distill a bit of a best practice or best approach out of those, right? So don't write how-to content of the fluffy variety by Googling some stuff and then, you know, putting copy pasting from free SEO blocks, SEO blocks, which were highly generic already. No, look into the actual stuff that's actually delivered to clients because I have yet to meet a consulting firm where uh, quotation marks shit leaves the shop, right? Quality of the stuff that goes to the clients typically very high or at least on par, right? To be accepted. So which means it's good stuff and better than probably anything that you and I, or just speaking for myself, sorry, probably better than anything I can Google together in like two hours. So take it from the horse's mouth, as they say, in the case from the actual client teams, the actual engagements, and just take it out of the work process. Again, right? Do not, do make extra sure 
confidentiality is not breached, right? Scrub everything, abstract, generalize. Good idea, by the way, in general, because of course the specific approach might be specific to the client. In other words, too specific for a broader audience, but you can, I think, make it applicable to a broader audience with less work than you'd have if you had to come up with everything from scratch and on your own. Sixth and almost last tip, as the engagements progress and, or even as they conclude, maybe conduct client satisfaction interviews to derive a CSAT score. Your firm already might have a standardized process for that. And I've seen and heard firms have marketing do that just because you're in a bit more neutral position being the marketing function than the actual team working on the engagement is, right? And you can ask the client about how happy they are, how, you know, what, and can include, you can include questions you might want to ask for marketing purposes into that survey pretty, pretty easily, right? You could ask them, so what was the challenge you had before you reached out? Why did you come to us? What did you expect? What did the team recommend, right? What did they say your actual root cause issues were and so forth? So you can do that and create lots of value for the firm overall. You can give an indication how healthy the relationship is. You can give the team feedback on how good they did. And you can, again, get a ton of insight, which you can turn into great content, right? Again, after anonymizing, generalizing, and so forth, it. Plus, you also get, and I've done this myself a couple of times, you get a relationship going. And if that works, that can help you to facilitate maybe something like a name case study or having a client representative on a podcast as a guest, all kinds of stuff. So doesn't hurt at all to do these, even if you don't get what you're looking for, even if the feedback's very bad, right? There's no downside to doing those, I think, or I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. So highly recommend making those a process. Last but not least, also as the engagement goes on, or maybe, yeah, I don't know if that happens once they conclude, but it can also be a good thing to review escalations. So client satisfaction is not very high and the relationship is not very good. Still worth to dive in and find out what happened there. Um, because you'll very likely be able to uh, draw some great lessons learned content out of that. You'll be able to, you know, see how the experienced consultant handle the escalation, maybe sort of turn it around, right? That it's not uncommon, I think, to have escalations on the project. And then the project manager or someone else listens, understands, knows what has to be done and, you know, gets stuff back on track. And it's these, all these things are very interesting. They make, I think, for great content to sort of document or again, right? I'm not talking about revealing the specifics, but in a general format to share what we've learned, right? 15 projects, 15 digital transformations in large Swiss banks. Here's what we learned type of stuff, or here's what can go wrong and how we mitigated it, all these types of stuff. As an aside, but I've tried to pitch consultancies on the idea of writing their own black book for a while now. No, no takers so far, to be quite honest. But the idea would be to do exactly that, to do a yearly review of where you maybe screwed up or almost screwed up as a firm. And then, of course, also telling the story of how you turned it around and what the positive outcome was. But leading with a bit of a vulnerability or the admission of, you know, making stuff, making mistakes, which I think is not bad at all. The question is, how do you handle them? 
because that makes for very relevant content for whoever the next in line is who tries to do something similar as your clients did. And if you are the firm that admits to things having gone wrong and you're very clear about how they went wrong and why, and you have come up with a fix, don't know about you, but in my case, it would increase my trust in your firm getting it right the next time because you have made the rookie mistakes or the, you know, you have learned these lessons already. So if I work with you, I don't have to do again, or the risk of that is sort of greatly reduced. That's it. I would ask Ash if he was here, whether he had anything else or any questions. He's not here, so so I'll presume he wouldn't have. I don't know. I'll run you through the list again in good old recap fashion, and then we'll wrap this up, and I wish you a happy weekend. So we said... If you can get your hands on certain types of assets and repurpose them into content or collateral, you'll save yourself some time while improving the relevancy of the quality of the output and thus probably the effectiveness of your materials, right? And you can find those assets by, number one, analyzing requests for proposals or other inquiries. Number two, listen to discovery or sales calls or being present at those meetings. Number three, reviewing and repurposing pitch and proposal presentations. Number four, repurposing onboarding questionnaires or checklists into self-assessments. Number five, read through client deliverables to identify methods, right? Or processes you can turn into how-to content. Number five, number six, sorry, conducting client satisfaction interviews to start the relationship, glean insights from how the clients thought the work went, and also gleaning insights into their buying journey and decision-making process, which that's helpful to have as a marketer in any case. And then we had tip number seven, escalation, emails, calls, whatever, right? Escalations, just in general. When things go wrong, do listen in to find out why they went wrong, how they went wrong, and how the firm fix it which I think is the usual outcome to, to make good for the client in some way. And you'll have probably more than enough material to fill the next year with content that by definition is very relevant to the types of clients your firm wants to work with because the clients you already have sort of came up with them. That's it. That's all I have for today for this solo episode. I hope you found it at least a little bit helpful and enjoyed it. Nothing else to say here other than Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend eventually. And I'll stop the recording right here. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 